Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm your host, Matt. Uh, with me this week is my fantastic co-host, Joe. Um, Joe, have you been up to anything this week unusual, out of the ordinary? Just getting ready for patch 8.3? What you been doing? Uh, getting ready for patch 8.3, and actually I got a uh, the last of my Christmas gifts today, uh, which was waiting for me as I got home, uh, which is a bust of the character Siri from The Witcher. So I am oh. super excited for that, because it's you a limited painted, run. or is it... Yeah, CD Projekt Red put out a a very limited run bust that they put up. So, uh, the uh, the missus got it for me as a Christmas gift. That's cool. Uh, I don't actually do a lot of painting myself, obviously, but that's cool that you got something like that because that sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, I like. I have I, no idea what I'm doing while I'm talking to you because I'm also <laughs> killing Ordos. <laughs> hey, you got you got to try to get those uh, those items that are named after you. And I didn't. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, good times. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's cool. I, I was, I just found out that Hero Forge is going to offer a coloring for car- for your minis. Really? That you order from them. Yeah. Which, I mean, isn't the same as getting a, a mini professionally painted or, you know, anything like sure. that. Sure, yeah. Is. But for people like me who can't really do it and who you know, would like to have their mini colored. It's it's pretty cool, I think. It's a neat little service. Um, I still want to someday get my Dwarf Barbarian made and then have it actually painted, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an interesting thing where getting some of your, your most iconic characters uh, made up and then painted uh, is always really, really fun. I remember uh, years ago when... Well, I forgot what company it was. It was Paper Something. Uh, did the the world of Warcraft character prints. 
they were made like out the of that. Aerofi- like the Aeroflate fig type things? Yeah. Like, I remember, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, I remember them. Uh, but they were made out of this weird, like, almost like pulped paper material. Um, unlike other things like minis that were done like resin or plastic. But I remember being fascinated by the idea of, hey, maybe I should get my character printed. So who knows? Maybe one day I'll uh, I'll print Loader up and uh, have a nice little... Uh, image of him in real life that I can have sitting on my desk reminding me of all the times that I, you know, didn't heal the rogue because they were bad. Fingerprints, you mean? Fingerprints, that was it. Yeah, I think they're still in existence. Are they really? I I, I looked them up and the site's still up. I don't know if they're still doing wow. anything. Yeah, because um, I mean... Because you... the site... I'm looking at the site right now, and guys, the the site is the, is the tip-top of 2008 web design. Um... <laughs> So I don't know if this is still running, but I have this a Worgen figure here. They've got a figure prints fi- picture gallery of a Worgen figure. So they're, they're at least running. Point. They're at least running through Cataclysm. Yeah. So at least to 2010. Um, so yeah, it's quite possible. Uh, they've even had a demo on the site. So it might just be that they have chosen not to particularly update their uh, their stuff all that much. Uh, I'm actually even since I'm curious and since of course we're doing a podcast so why should I be focused on that Uh, I can definitely tell you that uh, they do not have allied races they have not updated I just tried to load uh, my high mountain tour and loader in there and it was like nope can't find it sorry that that happens from time to time (laughs) I just figured I'd give it a shot but yeah it's it's interesting to to all the stuff that's accumulated over this game in the past 16 years uh, let that sink in, guys. 16 years this year. Um, but yeah, like, we, we could talk forever about this kind of thing, but but we should probably talk about at least... It's still pretty slow right now, but we know that next week is patch 8.3, and there's a ton of stuff coming with it. So we should probably throw at least a little conversation about that out there. Uh, one of the things, because I just spent this morning writing about them, one of the things that I've I've got in my head to think to talk about uh, have you like looked at the the way that the invasions are going to work, the the old god assaults or visions of Nazoth assaults, how they're going to work in this patch? And did you have you checked them out at all? I haven't. I, I remember reading about them when they were announced, but I don't remember looking too far into them for uh, any of the like details on how they're going to work. Well, first off, to do anything in this patch, there's a introductory quest line, which is actually fairly involved. It's like a two to three hour quest line, depending that- on how. Yeah, that I remember them saying something like that. A couple hours. And the quest, yeah, the quest is like two to three hours, and it it unlocks everything. You do the quest, and then you can you unlock assaults, you unlock the the the, um, horrific visions, and you get your legendary cloak, or at least the first stage of it, which when it's not legendary. Um, And the thing about that is, a lot of this stuff is interdependent. Like if you want to do horrific visions, you technically speaking, you don't have to do the assaults. But the assaults are the best way to get the, um, I believe it's called the Coalesced Vision, which is the currency you need to buy the Vessel of Horrific Visions. Okay. Which is the basically the Mythic Plus key that you need to run uh, uh, the Horrific Visions. The Horrific Visions work kind of like a cross between a Mythic Dungeon and the Mage Tower from Legion. So it's like and- a Mythic Dungeon scenario type thing. Kinda in that you can run it just yourself, or you can run it with up to five people of any class. There's no, there's no specific class comp necessary. It's just 
If you run it by yourself, it scales to one person. If you run it with four other people, it scales to five people. So it's like a scenario, but it's also like the Mage Tower, which was a single player experience. You can do it like that if you'd rather, and it's completely scaling. The other thing about it that's interesting is that the 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 not the horrific vision, but the the assaults themselves. Instead of do you remember in Legion how they would start and stop? Like, oh, this zone's under attack now. Yes. Oh, yeah. And this they're not doing it that way. The way it works is there's going to be a major assault and a minor assault at any given time. Hmm. The major assault lasts a week. Like it's it's a week by week thing. This for this week the major assault. You know, let's assume just an example for this week. Say the major assault is in Aldum. Next week, the major assault will be uh, in the Vale of Eternal Blossoms. Whichever zone isn't having the major assault is having a minor assault. The minor assault resets every three and a half days. Interesting. So you'll have one major and two minor assaults during a week. So you can go and you do the, the assault. The assault more or less runs like a Legion assault in that there's there's objectives to complete in the zone. And then when you complete the objectives then a commander or some sort spawns and you go and kill him. I'm not sure. I haven't seen nothing that says it's a scenario the way it was in Legion. Maybe you just go and find the dude and kill him. I don't know how that works yet. But uh, the one thing I did find out that I found was interesting was during that period of time, the the zone that's having the major assault is literally under direct assault by Nizoth. So the sky changes. There's these things flying in the air called like the Great Worm from Beyond like if you fly too close to them, they will debuff you with a debuff that like stacks and reduces thirty percent your flying speed. So if it debuffs you Ooh. enough times, your flying speed drops to zero when you fall. So you got to stay away from them. If you try to fight them, like if you go up to them and like I don't know, drop off your mount, go to a parachute, and just start blasting them, they insta kill you. Ooh. They would just kill you dead. It's, so you can't do that either. That's been a while since we've had an instant kill mob like that too, in anything yeah. like a scenario or setup. And so the basic thing of these is they're, they're there to keep you from flying too high. And thus, you're basically on you're, you're in gr- at ground level. You're close enough for things on the ground to attack you. Or you're not flying at all. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a way to let people have flying in those zones, but you can't count on it. Because if you try to fly too, too high or you know avoid things by flying over them, you'll get wiped out by the, the thing in the sky. And I thought that was an interesting way to approach it. Um, but in addition to that, whichever zone's getting the major assault, like let's just for the sake of your argument, we'll say it's the Veil of Eternal Blossoms this week. That zone also has the raid portal to Nyalotha. Interesting. So, so it's going to yeah. be an ever shifting location. Yeah, whichever zone is getting a major assault, wherever wherever Nizoth is, that's where the Nyalotha portal is. Now, and, th- did they say if that's going to affect like the starting point of the raid or is the starting point of the raid always going to be static? Like as far as like, these are the bosses you'll see up front. Um, Cause I don't as remember seeing know, anything about that. Yeah. As far as I know, it's going to be the same raid once you're in it. It's just a different place to go to get in. The portal is in a different spot. That's basically all I know about that. However, whichever zone isn't getting the, the major, raid and thus isn't major uh, assault and thus doesn't have the raid portal that zone will have a raid boss like a world boss will be in the zone that isn't under major attack so it's basically like Nizoth is attacking one zone directly and the other zone is under attack by his you know lieutenants interesting like he sends off some forces to attack the other zone while he's in the in the main zone uh, and that's that's interesting because 
the the uh, the, the world bosses drop 430 gear, and they're you know it's fun. Hey, it's a world boss. Plus, they it resets. I don't know if the boss resets with the with the raid. I mean, with the assault, because the if the assault you're in one assault when the assault start, the minor assault starts on Tuesday with a reset, right? Mm-hmm. Then resets on Friday around 7 p.m. Huh. So does that mean that the world boss resets, or is he you know does he just stay there even if it's a different? You know, and I'm that's wondering. It's got different forces too. There's different forces that attack in each. There's like a Mogu one. There's an Akir one. There's the the Manted, and I forget what the fourth one is. But those are the forces that attack during the the minor invasions, and it's not always the same one. For instance, the the world boss that spawns when it's attacking Pandaria, when it's a when the minor raid is in in the Vale, the world boss that spawns is is Empress Shakazir, I believe, who's the replacement for the one that we killed in in Mists. The Manted Empress is the world boss. Um, and when it's attacking in in um, in uh, Uldum, it's a giant like bug. I'm forget I forget like look like Kovak was. Okay, yeah. It's like or, or or Muru. Yeah, so it's that kind of thing. And I think that's really interesting because it's just it's a different. They're making it so it's something you can do whenever you log on. You don't have to look for it. It doesn't have, like you know you don't have to find out if it's up or not. If you log on you can go and do the assault. You can go do the major one and then one of the minor ones. And you basically, you'll get a, a free um, vision of the horrific, you, you know, you get one of the free things, the items you need to do one of the horrific visions. When you do a major, you just get one up, you know, here it is, here's one. So if you do like one major a week, you'll get one shot at the uh, horrific vision, horrific uh, vision every week and then if you do both minors you'll get enough of the of the coalesced uh i forget what the coalesced vision that's what it's called you'll get enough of those to do another so you can earn just from doing those not doing anything else you can earn two of those things a week which i mean at first you're going to basically be going through those pretty fast uh because you're not going to get you're not going to get very far right you do the perfect vision and the first time few times you're going to need to get you know, to get the, the um, corrupted memoir, corrupted mementos out of there to buff up your titanic research and make your cloak stronger against uh, the Corruption. sanity drain. No, it's the sanity drain in particular. There's a sanity drain mechanic in the, in the horrific visions that'll kill you dead. It's like a timer. And it's what you basically tells you, okay, when you go in there, there's objectives. It's a little bit like world quests in a way you go in there and there's objectives inside the horrific vision but you're on a strict timer and at first you won't have any real way to reset it. Like eventually you might, you're going to have, there's a sanity orb mechanic that will come into play, but at first you're not going to have access to that. Mm-hmm. So you basically, you can go until that timer runs out and then you die. You just straight up boom dead. And so you have to basically go, okay, we've done an objective. If you want to get gear out of the horrific vision, you have to try and do the objective that's killing the end boss, which I'm not going to say what it is. There's two lore figures who are the end bosses in horrific visions, depending on if you're in Orgrimmar or Stormwind, because the the horrific vision shows you a horrific vision of the future of either Orgrimmar or Stormwind. Right. Uh, and so, you that one of the the five or six objectives is go kill that guy. And if you kill that guy you get a piece of gear and the piece of gear will be at a specific item level 
think it's like 420 to start if you just go and kill that guy and leave then you okay. get a piece of 420 gear and then if you t- check if you do like say five, four out of five objectives the gear will be like 440 if you do like all five objectives if you do everything including killing the last guy it'll be like 445 and then there's things called like masks and the yeah, fa- masks of faceless or something if you get like those, you can basically it's like you can impose a mythic key on yourself. Okay. You know how they have prefixes in, in mythics. You can impose them, like you know, even let you know sanity counts for less, uh, take more damage, everybody's stronger. If you do that, you can increase the the item level up to four seventy. So what I'm getting out of short of mythic rating, I think mythic rating is like four seventy five with four eighty on the bosses on the end boss. So this, this is scalable. Well, this also seems like everything that you're describing here sounds like they're actually learning their lessons as far as, like, the evolution of invasions, if that makes sense. So we had the ones in Legion, like you mentioned. We had the ones that we currently have in Battle for Azeroth, which are, they're basically just another uh, world quest daily, essentially, or weekly, or whatever, however long it takes to refresh three days. Um, So those happen, and you have those little scenarios, and that's it. Uh, It seems like here... They've learned. They've made everything from the invasions to the scenario uh, scalable. Like you said, more content where it's something that they can actually do. Uh, when you log in, it's something that you don't have to go like dying to go search for. It's just going to be happening. You can go do it. And I like the idea that they're giving. It's it's almost like a catch up mechanic in a way too, where if you do all of the things, you hit all those objectives in that scenario that you're in you get gear that's almost on par with like the best rating gear. And yeah, but it does have, it's, this is a situation where you're not going to be getting that gear at first, right? You have like to work you towards in, it. If you get lucky, you might be able to kill the end boss, but you're not supposed and, to and thus doing well. No, it's not more at like first. you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to be able to kill him maybe at all. Or, and if you do kill her, then it'll be a situation where you get that piece of 420 gear because you just zerg to the, the end and killed that person yeah. and left. But as you go longer, you'll have more sanity. You'll have more ways to refresh sanity and thus you'll have time to do all the objectives. And then after you've been in there for a real while, after you've been doing this and gearing up and getting your cloak, because remember you have to get the, the corrupted mementos from periphery visions to get the cloak upgraded. So this is the major cloak upgrade mechanic is you do the, the horrific visions and as you do that, your cloak's resistance goes up and you, you'll have more time. And then you'll be able to use those masks to make it harder. And this is all like this is not directly related to the to the invasions. This is but you need to do the invasions to get the mm-hmm. uh, the pieces that you need to run them. I think some I've read somewhere and I can't remember if this is accurate or not. But if you do absolutely everything you can do to get the coalesced visions in a week, you can get roughly the equivalent of 30,000. Okay. Which is some of that will be in the form of the vessel of, of the horrific vision. Like you'll get one for free for doing the myth, the, the, um, the major assault. But then if you do both minor assaults, you, you have enough to buy another one. And then if you do everything else of, that gives you coalesced visions, like if you do the daily quests that give them, if you do the, the, the kind of repeating weekly quests to get to do mini visions, you can get enough to get three in a week. You don't have to use three in a week. You can literally just keep buying these things. Like you could buy them until you were geared up enough that you felt like you could make a good push in. 
and then you could run this thing. You could run them like eight times in one week. And here's the interesting thing about that. If you do that, let's assume you're going to run it five times this week. You, and you've got a whole group of people. All of you have got, you know, enough, enough horrific, you know, enough of the talismans to, to do it five times. Mm-hmm. And the first time you do it, you go through and you do it without any of the masks, but you do four out of the five objectives. You'll get like a piece of 440 gear. Then you go in again and you do the whole thing again, get four out of five objectives. Now you only get a piece of 435 gear. Because every if you in order to get better gear, you need to do better. So if you do the same, then you'll get less. Your gear will be slightly less. And if you do it again and again, you only get four out of five, or maybe even just three out of five. You'll get also step down gear. The gear steps down every time, unless you do better. And you so know, there's a decay mechanic here. It, it almost. It, I was gonna say it sounds almost ro- like a roguelite in that regard it's that is very much what it feels like i i you are i feel like right now i'm going to say this you are looking at rehearsal for Torghast. yeah i think so too the way because the way they described it there this seems very similar this is like this is them i they were iterating this idea they liked how they came up with what they'd come up with they said yeah it's like the mage tower but not and someone was like why don't we really take this and go with it for the next expansion and that's what you're looking at. You were looking at the development process for Torghast. This is Torghast, like, this is the beta for that. This is a, effectively what we're looking at, in my opinion. And it's interesting. I don't know that it's what I want. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know if I can get far enough in it. Like, if I can do this completely solo, I'm going to try and do it completely solo. And that's sure. the thing. If you do this completely solo, you can still like if you complete say you get geared up well enough and you're doing it it scales to your level so it's theoretically possible you could completely soloing this get good enough to get full 470 gear which puts you on par with mythic plus i think mythic plus 15 mm-hmm. and slightly below mythic rating which i think is like at 475 to 480 that's like that's a really I mean, it's time. It's basically your time, but it's entirely at your pace. If that's what you want to do, then go do you know go do the the two the one major and two minor assaults a, a week. Go do all the other like dailies and stuff, and mm-hmm. get your stuff up and run this solo as many times as you can handle it. See, and that's interesting to me. I, I kind of really like this actually, and and I say this as somebody who's been playing Final Fantasy fourteen a lot. Um, but I've been playing it solo, uh, and I make the case that Final Fantasy XIV is probably the best solo solo player RPG that I've I've played in a long time. But when I get to certain things, I hit walls where like I either have to do uh, roulettes or something where I have to group with randoms, and I don't always want to do that. It's not that I don't like meeting new people; it's sometimes I don't have the mental bandwidth for it. So giving me a vehicle in a game like this where I can you know, do the stuff solo and find that time when I don't have the mental bandwidth to, to sort of be uber social. I really like that. And I like the idea one, like you said, that this is a rehearsal for Torghast. I like the idea that this has roguelite elements. Um, I like the way this is working out because these are things that I personally enjoy. And it, sometimes you just need to have that solo content and it's another thing for wow it's another thing in its favor because a lot of times i'll hear people complain about like world bosses and things like that where 
they have to find groups and sometimes there isn't a group to find. Like if you're coming in late during the week and you need to do your world boss or whatever the case is, trying to find a group is sometimes a real pain. Whereas Yeah, this, if you're trying to do a world boss right now, it's very much you can really get a group easily the Tuesday that it goes live and by Saturday night, forget it. Yep. And just nobody's doing it. So but, yeah, but something I, like I do feel that. And something like this eliminates that problem. Like, okay, well, I'm just going to go do solo now. And it's scalable, so I can do it solo. Like, I and, like that. And it combines well with the assaults, because the assaults are all soloable. I think there's, like, I, I don't know if it ends the same way the Legion ones did. Like, I don't know if you get put into a, a scenario to kill the end boss, or if you just all fly out there and kill him. I don't know how it works. But either way, it's still something you can do pretty much by yourself. Um and, and the thing about the assaults I want to mention before we move on to anything else is whether you're doing um, the major or the minor ones, uh, the, one of the things you'll get is a piece of gear for completing it. The gear scales roughly – it's a little bit better than what you've currently got. You know how it works because you've you've been doing Battle for Azeroth this whole time. Uh, it's like that. The gear can scale up to 440. Mm-hmm. So as you're doing these, you'll get better gear just doing the assaults. It, it's a slow process, but – You'll get a piece of gear that could will be possibly on par or possibly better than what you have. It has a ch- it has a high chance to have corruption. And if you don't know the corruption mechanic, it's like you get the corruption mechanic, which is you know if you get a high enough corruption score, bad stuff happens to you. But it also gives you a high bonus on the gear, like you know it'll add like a, a little like a mini set bonus or item bonus. You for, might do better better healing or damage, but you might also poop out a void zone. Yeah, and the thing is, is you can you can the, the cloak itself will allow this, and Titan Research will allow you to lower your corruption. Like you can basically add, add corruption resistance to your character as you go on. So after a while, you could accept, okay, I'm going to have this much corruption on these pieces of gear because these bonuses I'll get are so good, and I've got my corruption things stacked down to the point where I'll only have to deal with the, like the minor level corruption stuff. So it's worth, it's a worthy trade off to get more power. I'm interested in seeing how that works, but it's something you'll be able to work with just doing the solo content, just doing the the small group content. You won't have to raid to see it. And that I find really interesting. Well, and that's good. That that kind of ties into what we were talking about a little bit last, uh, think of last week when we were talking about like the idea of raiding. Uh, we had a question, I think it was about lore gated behind raiding. Um, and honestly, I like this idea where it this is stuff that's not tied to a raid. It's not something you have to raid if you don't want to 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 experience it. And that's cool. I like options. And that that's I think that's the biggest thing that I could say is this just keeps adding more options. And I really like having options in a game. The more options we have, I think the better the game is. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, so. uh that's basically it, though, for news. I mean, there's more. We could keep talking about it, but it's basically just us talking about Patch 8.3. Um, so I guess we should move on to some emails, which we got a fair assortment of this week, and I, I hope we'll actually get to like really look at them. Um, but yeah, if you have an email for the show, uh, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for the show, especially in the next... like. Next week we'll we'll have the patch, so we'll have stuff to talk about. But it'll be dropping Tuesday. It will be fresh. Yeah, so we might not actually know a whole heck of a lot about it yet. Um, 
but yeah, uh, if you've got an email, please send it there. Or you can go to our Discord server. There's a, a, Q, a patron Q and podcast questions channel. You can ask in there as well. Uh, Joe's been making great use of that for lore watch, and we're going to try and do that here as well. So feel free to make use of that channel. But uh, right now, Joe, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Greetings. Patch 8.3 will be the first patch that I will go into without heroic raid gear since I started playing a decade ago. I have not played much of 8.2 and I have never been a big fan of LFR. So I was wondering how much I would notice the power difference while doing the story and not raid content of 8.3. I think my item level will be around 405. Beyond that, assuming I just want to play the story and level alts, will 9.0 leveling be noticeably more difficult if I don't do LFR in 8.3? How much will I feel that I am not raiding anymore? Side note, I've never leveled an alt until some kind of catch-up mechanic was added, so I cannot use that as a point of reference. Finally, if I do LFR, is there a best time where when people who have read about the encounters are running it? Um, I don't have a name associated with this one, so wherever you are, we see you. Um, yeah, so I guess start from the top down. What do you think? First question. Do you think it's going to be that noticeable for somebody coming in at 8.3 at around item level 405 if they haven't really been doing anything in 8.2? I think it'll be doable. I mean, it might be you might not blow through it like like you would if you were coming into this at like 420 or 4 whatever. I don't know what the top level for rating gear is right now. I'm sorry. I have not been paying attention to this expansion to get to rating, but um, I think you'll you'll be able to. Uh, I don't. I expect usually content is designed to be doable at much lower levels than top raid gear. So, yeah, and and yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Well. And I think, and depending on what your class is too, like item level four hundred five is pretty dang good um, for most yeah. things. Yeah, so. I would think I would think you'll be, you should be okay if you're at eye level is going to be around four or five. Uh, I think you'll basically. It, it might be you might hit get you know take some hits and actually have to like work a little but i don't expect like when i went to um oh bloody heck i can't remember the name of the uh the the naga zone in uh yeah when i went to Najatar on my uh on my like human warrior who had like terrible gear i mean the the sword you get for starting that was a big upgrade for him mm-hmm. for that, and that sword's 370 um, so yeah, his gear was terrible. And, uh, I, even before he got any upgrades, he could do it. He had to work pretty hard. And like a couple of times I, I deliberately went arms on him to get the heal, but it was doable. And once I got the gear you can get from being there, the starting gear, then it was fine. Like it wasn't a problem. And that's like, I think 370 to 380. 370. Yeah. And that's yeah. about And I had a very similar experience when I was leveling my alt, uh, through there as well. When I got there with my warrior, uh, it was, like you said, the item that we got, the weapon was such a huge upgrade for me at that point. Um, And my gear was terrible because I was just power leveling like crazy. But it didn't take long after getting there to be perfectly on par. I just had to work a little bit smarter at, you know, making sure I wasn't pulling too much, making sure I wasn't like cornering myself, had escape routes. In a lot of ways, it almost felt... Uh, and I'm going to say this almost like classic wow in which like I had to be very cognizant of where I was and what I was pulling. But after a little bit, uh, once I got that gear, the Betha gear, which was really, really quick to get surprisingly. Yeah. It was like if you no I think if you do it, if you do it on a day when that's like the emissary, you can easily go head to toe. Oh, yeah. Like easily. You can have 
you can have the whole set in like that day if that if that happens to be the day that it if it's an emissary for your whichever one you are if the horde one I can't remember but the alliance ones the and Cohen uh, if you're if it's that if it's that emissary then yeah you're gonna get enough pearls to just blow, buy 370 year across the board and then you can even start getting some of it up to like 380 or higher um, so yeah I expect this to be much the same where you know if you're if you're at 400. I expect that you will have like you might have to work a little harder in a couple of places, and I definitely think that the the horrific visions are going to be in a, work for you. I don't think you're going to just walk into hor- horrific visions in your four or five gear and just you know smack the bosses around and walk out with like three out of five objectives done before you run out of sanity. I think you'll be lucky to do an objective. Yeah, but as time passes, as you do more of the of the assaults as you do more of the daily and world quests, I think you'll be geared up enough that it won't be an issue. And I think four or five, I think four or five should be more than enough for those. I think you should be like, I think you'll be walking through the assaults. I don't think, I think they'll be set up so that a brand new player can still do them. Yeah. Which would make sense. We we always have to remember that they have to set this stuff up. So somebody who just hit level can do it. You know, someone who at like 120 needs to be able to go to, to, in, into these zones and do these this content and this is going to be the content for them and even even barring that the people that haven't been here for a while even if you've hit 120 early and and you know you haven't played in several patches or for whatever reason they want these to be uh open enough and friendly enough and encouraging enough to have you come back and play because if you come back and you just get raffle stomped uh yeah, by like- the new thing you're not going to want to play my Death Knight did really well in the very first patch, like when Old Deer was was current content. I had pretty solid, like three fifty five to three sixty gear, and that I felt pretty good about it. But that was a while ago, so when I took her out of storage to do new stuff, then it was like, oh yeah, okay, everything's much higher now, and that'll be the case for a lot of people. If people are coming back for this, they're gonna have to leave them the mechanics have to be there for them to catch up that always has to be part of the design so yeah i don't expect this will be tremendously hard for you now the second part of that uh beyond that we were talking about leveling in 9.0 and it was a question of whether it's going to be more difficult if or noticeably difficult uh if you do not do lfr in 8.3 and how much you will feel like you're not rating i don't know if you're going to feel that that bad about not rating with leveling in 9.0 let me put it to you this way I did the PT, I did the uh, beta for Shadowlands, so past 9.0, went into actual Shadowlands content at BlizzCon. Uh, my character's gear was, I think, around 350, the 350 to 360. Um, when I looked at it, it was all green gear. It was just gear they put they put that character in, and they he did fine doing actual leveling content at level 50 in the new stuff. When 9.0 drops, you're going to get level squished. Yep. You're going to be level 50. I think your gear, if you're like crawling around in like, I don't think you're going to need raid gear from 8.3 to do that. I think you will actually get gear just as good or better doing solo content. And I don't think, I don't think you'll even be need to need to be 400 much less, you know, past it. So I think you will be absolutely fine. Yeah, and, and I think that goes with what we were talking about in the the other part, too. Like, this is, again, content that they're expecting people to come back for. 
And if you're coming back and you just get completely wiped off the face of Azeroth every single time you, or, you know, wiped off the face of the Shadowlands every time you try to do anything, it's not fun. And that, that makes you not want to play. Whereas giving you something that may, you maybe have to work for, but, you know, you can still do, I think that's where it's going to be at. And I think that's fine. And I think the last part of that is the LFR. If there is a best time when people have read about the encounters and are running it, best time to do LFR. I don't know. I don't do LFR much anymore. Very, very, very rarely do I. Okay. From my experience tanking LFR, which I stopped doing this year, um, this year being 2019, so actually a year ago. But when I was doing it, I did it up through most of older and I started doing it for the when they were doing the battle for Dazarlor, and then I was like, okay, I, I have enough frustration in my life. Um, the best time to tank LFR, or, or run LFR for that matter, is usually a couple of weeks after mm-hmm. it started. The first week, I don't know what I was thinking. If you want people to have read this stuff, the first week, they will not have. Guaranteed. The second week... They may have, they may not have. It's kind of up in the air. By the third week, people will have started reading up on it because they will have gotten frustrated, uh, or there'll be characters from from raid guilds who are leveling their alts and getting their alts some gear. Uh, and we, so there will be people that have read at that point. Um, I never think it's a good idea to do it the day it resets. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, whenever, if it's a Tuesday reset, and it usually is. Um, uh, it's never a good idea to do it on reset day. Uh, it's also not a good idea to wait too long. Like you don't want to be trying to run it on Sunday either. Uh, my my sweet spot for doing it was Wednesday and Thursday. That makes Wednesday, sense. usually the people that are like just trying to ram themselves through as fast as possible have either given up or completed it. And so they're not there anymore. And so you don't have as many people pushing you to pull too fast if that's not your deal. Uh, even if you don't, if you, if you as a tank like to pull fast, you don't want to hear it. You don't want anyone telling you to do it. You just want mm-hmm. to do it. So, yep. I'd say wait thir- Wednesday to Thursday. Um, f- Friday is also not terrible, but once you start hitting Friday, you start getting towards the weekend, and people start getting weird. Um, I don't know how else to put it. There's that whole need to like you know people start getting punchy is the only word I can use for it. So. My advice to you is to wait at least a week and to run it on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Yeah, that's not a bad advice. Uh, like I said, I haven't run them in a while. Uh, but, I mean, even when I ran them, I was as a healer, so it didn't really matter. I just kind of kept the bars green and, and called it good. But I do remember Wednesdays and Thursdays being better in general instead of just on reset day. But I like your advice about a couple weeks because it gives people a chance to to read the things and... Uh, also sort of see the videos that are out there because it usually takes a little bit for the videos to to come out and people to actually read them or watch them, I should say. Second question we have of the day. Greetings, watchers. At the end of Sunwell, after restoring Muru, Velen says, Gaze now, mortals, upon the heart of Muru, unblemished, bathed in the light of creation, just as it was at the dawn. What is this dawn event with capital D? We're all Naru Kors heart created at the same time at this event, making them a limited supply. Regards, Mahara Silver Spring Undead Priest from EU. So my 
knowledge on that is, I mean, I don't think we know. We don't know when the Naru were created, and we don't know if there's a finite number of them. We don't know uh, if they can grow more of themselves, if that's the case. Uh, but the interesting thing, like you said, is that it is the Dawn with the capital D in that speech. I actually went back and and took a look, and that I'm not sure if that was oversight or if that is actually linking to something we might learn more about later with the dawn of creation, or if that if that's what it's referring to is like the dawn of all creation in the universe, or if it's specifically event tied to the Naru. What do you think? Well, I mean, we know that there's that whole thing where the, the Naru were created at the, or, when they were ordering the cosmos, like the entire cosmos was being ordered and the Naru's creation was part of that. That could be what they're referring to, but mm-hmm. I'd have to agree with you about the concept of, I don't think anyone's ever actually sat down and said that that's what we're talking about. Um, I don't think we know specifically what is meant. I mean, it could just be a metaphor. Like he could just be speaking metaphorically at the dawn of this being's existence. This, you know, someone's birth could be called it's dawn. So that could be where they're going with it. Uh, I think it's probably connected to like when Zera and the other Naru primes were made, uh, which implies Miru might've been a Naru prime. Um, I, I, I suspect a doll is an, is an Aru prime. And I get the sense that there were several other Naru primes, uh, on that ship. But I guess that begs the question then too, like if we have the Naru primes and we have the lesser Naru, if the primes came first, does that mean that well, they we know that way... the primes have descendants? We know they do because Oros is a descendant of Zera. Sure. But the question is, how, how does that process work? Use... Oh, no idea. <laughs> um, I got no clue, but we know that they took when you when you find Zera's core, they they have you take it to Oros with the assumption that Oros will be able to use his light since he is related, he's descended from Zera, to activate it and and speak to Zera, essentially, and that's why they kill Oros, so we can't do it. That's why the Legion attacks and kills. That's why uh, General. General Jerky Velenson, whose name I don't remember, mm-hmm. kills um, Oros for that express purpose. So, yeah, we know that they have offspring. We know that the offspring uh, have a special connection to their ancestors. There's, you know, we know there's stuff going on there. But the specifics of it, no clue, don't, don't know, no idea. Whether or not this happened at, like, they call the event where the Naru were created. The Dawn. The dawn. And for that matter, if Miru's not a prime, then his essence wasn't created at the dawn of time. It was created later because he wasn't. The primes were the ones who were made at the, you know, the the ordering of the universe. So, again, is Velen just being metaphorical or is he talking about a specific event that we don't know if it's the same event as this other event? You got me? I don't know. They, They haven't sat down and talked about it. Although it is something that I would like to see more of. Maybe maybe we'll get more information on that in the Shadowlands. There's going to be, uh, obviously, some light-touch stuff as we're going through Bastion. I think we're going to learn more there. But I think it would be cool to learn a little bit more about how Naru are created. Because I always wondered if they just split off and, and budded, or if they were, you know, like it was sort of like that, almost like weird single-cell organism-type splitting. But Well, see, here's the, I have a theory on that based on the way that their technology seems to work, where Naru crystal technology seems to work on the premise of 
take a piece of it and grow something out of it. Like we get the new ship from a piece of the old ship. Oh, that's true. So maybe they just break themselves off and sort of. Well, I mean, remember when we find Zira, her core has been taken out of her, but the rest of her is just there on the ground. And then when she dies, like Velen grabs the pieces to make sure that the light within them isn't lost. Yeah. Doesn't he say something about like, you know, something will be born from them or something like that? I can't remember. Not that you know, it's like you know you know the light within them will still be be put to use or something like that. But that's always had me wonder if like they if that's how they reproduce by taking one of those pieces and doing something to it so See, until it becomes a core. And now I just have this I just have this image now in my brain of like the undead farm where it had like the humans like buried up to their necks and like instead of like that it just happens to be like a light farm where the shards are just like shoved in there till they're fully grown. Or, or do one of the things I always wondered is like, do you t- do, do two Naru each take a piece of themselves and like put that together, or more than two Naru, like maybe twenty of them? I don't know. I know nothing about the reproductive cycle of the Naru, but I know that they have a life cycle. So yeah, there's there's lots of interesting ideas based around this, and I can't like you know I can't answer what they are. I like I don't know, but I would be interested to see more about it. Like the fact that Muru could die. Mm-hmm. Could go void cycle, die, and then out of the void cycle, um, Velen can come along and find that core of of Muru, and it's still untainted, it's still perfect, it's still part of the light, and he can make the Sunwell out of it. Is a Naru growing in the Sunwell? Like, is Muru going to pop out of that thing one day and go, ha, I'm fully back, thanks, guys? Or is Muru is just mean, eternally going to be Z- something there? Or does that mean Zera could come back? You know, I almost like wonder if that's, you know, this, this is going to sound weird, but going back to the whole Alun stuff, when they were talking about Alun coming out of the Well of Eternity during the night and then going back during the day, I'm wondering if we get a similar thing with, like, Muru in the Sunwell, where, you know, we start seeing Muru come out of the Sunwell, or a ancestor of Muru, or whatever the new entity is. Descendant. Uh, descendant, if they're your kid. Yeah, so a descendant. This is a huge pet peeve of mine, man. Don't do sorry, it. Sorry, sorry. Uh, but if we have a descendant of Muru that like now lives in the Sunwell is tied to it intricately, like or yeah, or is using it to like grow. Like we know that when the uh, oh bloody heck, I can't remember the one that was in uh, Akendun. Uh, you remember the one who's at the end of the Akenai crypts, and and it's like you know we go in and we we see Dior, it. yeah Dior. I don't know if it's like that where they're like in like. It could regenerate and come pop out or like we know that Kara was in a cycle on, on alternate Draenor. We know that the Kara was like literally floating in orbit, trying to regenerate mm-hmm. and they, they, the, the void energies were so strong that the shadow moon clan considered her the void, you know, the dark star. And some of them worshiped it, not much to their detriment. There's there's So there's like, could that actually, could Zara come out of that netherlight call crucible someday? Could she regrow? Oh, and come back? that's a good question. Or would it be something more because of the the way that it's both the crucible is both light and dark? But then again, so are all Naru. All Naru go through their void cycle. So I don't know. It's well, something I've been thinking about a lot, but I don't have. We don't have answers to any of this. We don't know what the dawn ultimately is. It would be cool to know, but we don't. Well, like I said, hopefully we'll get a little bit more about that. Next question. Hi, folks. Firstly, safe travels, Anne, and I truly hope you have a blast in the new position. Eat good food, drink good ale, and know you will be missed by everyone. So, Anne, when you're listening to this car, know that the reader, or the listeners and, and readers miss you, too. Uh, 
Now on to my question. Watching some Diablo 4 trailers again, do we know where or what the druids have been doing since Diablo 2? Healing the world, showing Azeroth druids new tricks, if not any tinfoil hat theories. Thanks, everyone. I hope you all have a good, had a good holidays and have a happy new year. Julian, a.k.a. Baragorn. So I'm going to leave this one to you since you are sort of the Diablo expert. Uh, what do you think the druids have been up to? Uh, we don't know at all. Like the last we we knew of them was at the end of Diablo two, when they like sensed the great evil was coming and that they had to respond, and they did. But clearly, it didn't stop the uh, explosion of of the world. You know, the, the 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 world stone got blown up good, and Mount Ariat was destroyed. And the purpose that both the barbarians and druids had been set by their various ancients had been failed. Like the the whole purpose for both the barbarians and the druids was to guard the world stone and keep anyone from getting it. And they didn't do that. They failed. Um, I'm not judging them or angry with them or anything like that. I'm it's just, just a matter of fact. Happened. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what do you do when your thousands upon thousands of year purpose is done? Like, what do you do when you're not going to be guarding it anymore? Yeah, that's a really and good question. Especially because, I don't, yeah, I was, I, oh, go ahead. Because I, I, I remember, I remember in Diablo two when we were first introduced to the druids, we were told that they were, they had a close bond in nature and they were responding to a threat not just because of what was happening, because they weren't there in Diablo one, right? It was because the world itself, nature itself, was starting to become threatened. Uh, you know, the world stone, the whole thing, everything that happened up to that point. Like that was what was calling them to action. It's entirely possible that after the events of Diablo two, after the world stone has been completely gone because the natural world itself hasn't really been affected yet, that it's just now that they're calling back to action. Like they failed in their one task, but then everything went back to sort of like a natural stasis and they're like, okay, well we're good for now. Our, our job, we failed, whatever, but we're going to go live in harmony and, and be at peace with nature. But now, Diablo 4, there's some things that we know that are happening that are, are abnormal. We have those those water devils or those water spirits starting to come up, uh, the drowned. Uh, we have nature itself starting to sort of turn on itself. And it seems like that is exactly what is calling them out of whatever their training is, whatever their sort of in-between time is. And I think that's in between they've really been doing I want to I don't want to say like druid things and call it good uh but there are things like I remember there used to be druid colleges and there used to be uh stories of how they would train similar to barbarians it's entirely possible that they just spent this time training for the next event or waiting for the next thing to happen because they don't like cities they don't well, care do, about urban yeah. centers at all keep in mind too that Scotland which is where the game is set is where they it's theirs. It's the yeah. place the druids went to when when things went bad, when the, when they split off from the barbarian peoples, you know, millennia ago. The Scotsland is theirs, so it's possible that they've been basically keeping to their own, and the only reason they're playable in this game is because we are literally sitting in their territory. So when bad stuff starts happening, it's their job to deal with it. Um, but we don't know. We, you know, it, it's interesting to think about. Um, definitely not only is it like a case of Lilith is returning, we know that Andariel and Duriel are in this game. 
and they were major motivations for the yeah. uh, the Diablo two because they were they were messing with a whole bunch of stuff, raising the yeah, dead, Di- tearing up the earth. In Diablo two, um, the first real boss you fight, uh, Blood Raven, is the rogue from Diablo one. Yep, corrupted by by Duriel. So yeah, and Dario and Duriel they work directly for the Primes, and they're a big part of Diablo too. So it would make sense that them returning would would get the the interest of the Druid from Diablo three. I mean, from Diablo two. So yeah, um, we don't really know for sure why they they haven't been seen, but it might be as simple as they stayed in Scotland, and so we didn't see them because we don't go to Scotland in Diablo three. Um. They might be in Diablo Immortal. Like you might go to Skazglan at some point and see them, and you'll figure out what they were doing after Diablo Two. Because that's interesting. We're gonna have Diablo Four come out, and before it does, presumably Diablo Immortal will come out, and we'll have an idea of what was going on in other parts of the world before Diablo Three. You know, so that... we'll have an idea of what happened in Skazglan. Possibly, I don't know. You you raise a good point though, too, because like it is also entirely possible that. The reason we didn't see them in Diablo three is because of whatever happened between Diablo two and Diablo three. They might have been dealing with something else. They might have been, you know, doing some other thing because the universe or the world of Diablo is actually fairly big. Sanctuary is a big place. If you read like any of the Sin War books, it's a big place. There's lots of cities. There's lots of of areas. We see relatively small handfuls of these locations. And it's entirely possible, like you said, that they were just doing something in between and we might see them in Diablo Immortal. And I think that actually would be really cool uh, that you could go and play that game or watch a video if you don't feel like playing the mobile game, whatever, and learn what happened in between and then have that feed into Diablo 4. I think that would be kind of neat. Yeah, but but for right now, all we really know is they're, it's Scott's Glen, it's their home turf. It makes sense that they would be there because it, in a lot, in a one assumes that the, the classes that are playable in Diablo 4 are somehow tied to the story. Um, I know that the Barbarian, for instance, Skazgland is right across the... Uh, there's like a northern ocean, and if you look at, at the map, Skazgland's up north, and then if you head over towards the, the, the west, you see what's left of the Barbarian's homeland. And so it would make sense for barbarians, the first thing that they would do was get out when they're getting out, because there's demons everywhere, is go to Skosland. They have cultural ties connecting them to the druids. They, the people of Skosland and the people of the what's now the Dreadlands, um, what was called the Barbarian Wastes, those people are related. They have a similar culture. They have ties. So it would make sense that barbarians would be playable. It makes a lot of sense for druids to be playable, because again, you're in Skosland. As for the sorceress... Ancient evil sorceresses show up. It's just you know that's what we do. Yeah, well, they're evil. also they're also right next to them, aren't they? Like so, you have Skazglen, and then you have the Frozen Sea, and then I think Xian uh, Sai is just north yeah. of where Skazglen is. Sorceresses don't just come from Xian Sai; they also come from the far south. Sure, but the far south that they come from is in this game. Um, they're, they're also the, the the southern ones. The 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 mage clans their their regions are in this game but they were in the last game too i mean that that area has been showing up since diablo 2 it's been in diablo 3 it'll be in diablo 4 so i don't know we'll, we'll see we still have two classes for them to announce so it, it's the story is going to tie into everything and we'll find out more when we when we get there all right 
Next set of questions. This is a three-parter. We'll, I think we'll tackle them one at a time. Three short questions about three franchises. Feel free to answer only the ones you are thinking are interesting. Uh, we'll start with number one. It seems like a new WoW characters end up in Heroes of the Storm after they die in the retail game. Does Heroes of the Storm take place in the Shadowlands, assuming the Shadowlands connects all possible realities, of course? Uh, maybe. <laughs> the Nexus is a weird place. Uh, the Nexus is sort of like the world between worlds, and that's always how it's been built. But it's entirely, I mean, I don't think it is actually a realm of the Shadowlands, but that would be hilarious if you go in there and next thing you know, you're in, you know, Brax's breakout and or something along those lines. Yeah, I, I think Heroes of the Storm takes place in Heroes of the Storm. Yep. Where Heroes of the Storm happens, and it's not meant to be taken too seriously. You're not supposed to, like, as much as I do it anyway, because I freely admit I do, every time a new hero skin comes out and it's, like, demonic thrall or, you know, it's that one where Illidan became, like, Shondo and Tyrande became a warden to watch evil Mal Malfurion who betrayed them all to the demons. Uh, I think that's great, and I love thinking about it, but it's not meant to be actually considered, like, an alternate like time way from world of warcraft it's just there for fun flavor although but, the the point that everything be... dies in wow and shows up in in the nexus is kind of hilarious i didn't think about that until this question and was not dead yet yet but he's not and he didn't he didn't <laughs> die first before he ended up in wow a lot of the wow characters and you know like malfurion and taronda and illidan they're not dead so yeah but i get where you're where you're going with yeah. it and it's it's fun to think about Let's just not think about it too hard, because then you start wondering, <laughs> did Anduin actually die? Is Maybe this all a dream? Yeah, but... The second question, we're going to go back to... The second part of this, we're going to go back to some Diablo stuff. Did we ever find out exactly who or what Covetous Shen is? No. We have We got a clue. It's, it's very possible he is a god, and specifically a god of thieves. Uh, I thought it was Trickster. Talks... Mm, trickster god god of thieves you know. yeah fair enough close enough but there there is certainly a, a very strong implication that that is the case that he once was a god not that he currently is but that he once was and that when his great love was stolen from him uh he decided not to continue with that and is just a man now or maybe not we know Durghast was some kind of thing that you know claim to be a god and perhaps is a demon and we don't really know what's up with that either uh there's a lot of maybes and what ifs there i'd love for them to actually on the one hand i'd love if they kept covetous shen exactly as he is yeah he doesn't need to be like perfectly defined i kind of yeah. like where he's at where is he a god is he not a god is he an immortal i mean and we did get some information like not a whole lot, but enough to kind of keep that sort of mysterious thing going. I think it was, what, The Orphan and the Jeweler, I think it was, that little four-page thing that Blizzard put out way, yeah, way long ago. The story bit in the in, in Reaper of Souls, where you go and you, you, know, you, you go to a dungeon and Shen comes with you and there's a lot of implication, but it doesn't actually come out and say. He says stuff that implicates he might be who, who Sheed's looking for, or he might not be. So well, I was actually I'd referring like to the. That way. I was actually referring to the short story that released on Battle.net for him. No, I know. I was also saying that in addition to that, there's yeah. the actual quest. So yeah, there's there's some stuff, but they they don't. As long as they don't make it too obvious, quite frankly, I'm perfectly content with them keeping it the way it is. 
Yep. And if he is a trickster god, that's perfect. Uh, the third question, I have been really enjoying the 15th anniversary event in WoW and noticed something interesting in the Caverns of Time. Rathian and Medivh are flying around the main cavern with Medivh in rainbow raven form. Rainvin, Ravbo. What do you think they're up to? Should we be worried about those two in particular hanging out? Thanks. Uh, this is All three of these are from Spry Sprocket on Proudmoore. I didn't notice uh, that. I'm going to say up front, I didn't know this Medivh was up there. It's too late to go back and look now. Or Rathian, uh, like for that over. matter. Yeah, I didn't see that either. Although that is interesting that the two of them would be flying around there together. I guess the question is, were they together or were they just kind of flying around? So, I mean, I don't know. That could have, that could have potential implications if they are, if that's, you know, believed to be canon or it could just be Chromie having fun. And this happened at some point, so I'm going to make it happen here because I feel like it. I don't know. Yeah. People have mentioned it on Reddit and so forth, and they've shown pictures of it. And he's like, he's medieval and he's in colored form. It could just be that it's past medieval. Like, yeah. You, you know what I mean? This is like them going in and out of time. So it could be a past version of medieval that they're looking at for whatever reason. But I don't know. Or it no could, idea what he's there for. It could also be something that indicates we might run into medieval while we're dealing with the Shadowlands, which. You know, considering we haven't seen Kagar really at all, maybe that's a thing that happens. Maybe we, maybe this is the precursor to us actually seeing Medivh again in game in some capacity. Yeah, the last time we saw him was at the end of the Karazhan dungeon. Yep. Yeah, when he right before we jumped through the portal to go deal with the Legion ships. That yeah. Was it. So yeah, so he's he's out there somewhere, uh, in some form or another. Uh, but yeah, as to what they're doing, we know we'll see more Rathion in 8.3, so it's possible Rathion was just, you know, doing his lap, warming up before he comes out. Uh, but I don't know anything about what uh, Medivh's doing. Yeah. Teasing Anne. You know. Oh, totally teasing Anne. I, I can I can already hear her. I can already hear, what does it mean? Yeah. But yeah, we, we don't know. But that is so all, the that's that's all the questions yeah. we have. Uh, okay. Um any final this thoughts? Is weird because we, no, nah, it's weird because we still haven't gotten used to it. Usually, Anne just immediately jumps into it. You should do the bumper, but I'm like, ah, I don't know. I feel like I should talk. Well, Sorry, just... guys. I will get used to this eventually. <laughs> I mean, I was going to jump right into the bumper, but you did that thing last week, and I was like, I'm going to give him the opportunity and see if he wants to do it again. So Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. All right. Thanks very much, Joe. Um, again, guys, if you have a question for the podcast, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch so we know it's for this show. And you can go to our uh, Discord server and use the queue, the patron queue and podcast questions channel. And leave it there. Again, like make us be sure we know it's for the podcast so we, we can actually use it. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. Um, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast, and we'll be here next week. Mom? 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.